everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and what is time? This is a question we're going to be talking about as we go over Season 2 of Loki. The final episode just premiered on Disney+, Plus. another amazing six episodes of TV that, in this case, can easily be argued to be one long movie. Um, as each of the episodes take place immediately after the last one, um, which is my first piece of review, which is awesome. I love that. Um, but let's dive in. I will say full spoilers for this show as well. If you have not seen it, go watch the show. It's worth it. I imagine if you're listening to this, you probably already have seen it. But again, all episodes are available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we're going to dive into spoilers, so you have been warned. Uh, what I'm going to do is talk uh, briefly about each of the episodes and then we will dive into kind of my overall thoughts of the season the series and uh, where things might be going from here so uh, we open up with episode one Uh, this one's titled Ouroboros which is a term to uh, like a snake eating its tail basically which is called out in one of the episodes and is essentially the theme of this entire series Uh, in terms of, you know, time loops, essentially. But um, this season, again, in an incredible way, takes place seconds after the last um, season, which is, you know, obviously we saw Sylvie killing He Who Remains at the end of season one, uh, which basically freed all of the timelines, the branches, all of that stuff, kind of threw the TVA into disarray. Um, and at the same time, um, Ravona Renslayer and Miss Minutes went out to search for um, kind of he who remains. I guess they're basically trying to find a way to save the TVA at the same time. You know, again, the episode completely ends with Loki uh, being kicked through the time door by Sylvie and he's back in the TVA, except all of the statues that show the timekeepers now show Kang. And also Mobius and uh, Hunter B-15 find him and don't know who he is. That was the twist at the end. So we were all thinking, what happened? Did he go to a different universe? What's going on? Uh, And that is answered immediately in this first episode, which is that Loki is time slipping. And so in this way, uh, he actually goes back in time. And so that's the first big thing we find out is that essentially before the TVA, as we currently knew it, uh, was kind of, you know, the whole idea of the timekeepers. Before that, Kang ran this place, uh, or he who remains, I guess, ran this place uh, with his name in mind. So the statues are him. It's, It's all about him. And so we see, you know, kind of this idea that perhaps things did not go well for him. And maybe there was some sort of revolt or something that made him turn things over to um, it being the, you know, the fake timekeepers. But at the same time, again, you know, everything is collapsing at this point. And so we find, and this is the through line of the entire uh, season, which is that the temporal loom uh, is failing. And, uh, you know, it, it basically is the loom inside of the TVA that uh, threads all of the different timelines, creates them, supports them. And there's just too many timelines because instead of just having the one sacred timeline, 
everything is possible at this point after Sylvie killed He Who Remains. So you're just getting hundreds and hundreds of new timelines being created due to branching, uh, variants, all that sort of stuff. And so they need to find a way to stop this. Because if not, the TVA is going to just, as it is, die, basically. And we find that out through Loki time-slipping everywhere. He time-slips to the future. He time-slips to the past. And uh, he, find, he ends up finally finding current-day Mobius and explaining all of this to him. And they say, we need to go talk to uh, Ouroboros, who is uh, played by Kihui Kwan. In uh, just what an addition to this series to have him on this show, you know, especially after his Oscar win. He fits perfectly here. There were so many theories around who he might be, but he really is just, you know, Ouroboros. Uh, which was really cool. And so he's kind of like, he's basically the person who invented the TVA handbook. Um, him along with Kang, as we'll find out here shortly. But um, they go to Ouroboros and ask him, you know, what can we do about Loki's time slipping? Can we fix this? There's a lot of really great conversations around, you know, the idea of the impossible is something that you hear a lot in this in this second season. And how just because something is impossible doesn't mean you can't do it. And, I, and, and OB is the one who kind of explains this quite a bit. But by the end of this episode, the whole the the plan is, um, you know, they have to do this thing with the loom at the exact same time that Loki gets pruned. He has to get pruned, and then that basically will reset him. Um, and so we find out later on, again, you know, we're going to talk full spoilers, but essentially Loki prunes himself uh, at just the right time. And, uh, and so that kind of sets things right, which is great. But now... The next thing is, um, you know, they kind of have to find Sylvie, uh, and this leads us into episode two. Um, and, that, you know, at the same time, they have to fix this loom, but they need a, um, they kind of need the, it's like the temporal aura of He Who Remains. So that's going to be a factor coming up later as well. But so their whole goal right now then is to find Sylvie um, in the second episode, Breaking Brad which most of the episode is uh, dealing with this new hunter, I believe his name is X5, that um, who, who does a fantastic job in multiple roles. He's, he's living on the sacred timeline as an actor, which was great. Um, but, you know, this whole episode, I would say in terms of my favorite episodes, this is probably my least favorite of all the episodes, but it's it's certainly not a bad episode. In fact, it's a, it's Again, if we're talking, I, I would still give this episode probably an eight and a half, nine out of ten, that sort of thing. It's still that good. It's just most of it is spent in this interview room, as uh, you know, as they interrogate Brad to try and find Sylvie, uh, because at this exact same time, uh, there's like a fraction of the TVA kind, one of the people of the TVA who's planning to kind of help in their own way by bombing most of these timelines. So that um, the sacred timeline kind of is preserved, the, the loom is, is uh, preserved as well. Uh, and so by the end of this episode, we see that happening. And so you're starting to see a theme here where all of these episodes, and again, this is just absolutely brilliant, all of these episodes mirror the episodes in season one. We've got a big, uh, big interrogation scene. Sylvie is found by the end of this episode, just like she's found by the end of um, season two. And she bombs the timelines in, in season one. This other person, this general, bombs the timelines in season two, which, again, there's so much um, <clears throat> parallels in both of these, and, and we'll keep getting into that. But that leads us to episode three, and now the plan is for them 
to find i again either they can find he who remains or a variant of kang or they can get miss minutes to kind of fix this because obviously she's kind of the overwriter of all of this um which is really cool uh so they go back to 1893 loki and mobius do uh and again just the team up of loki and mobius is so cool uh i loved it uh, and kind of on the on the vein of sylvie as well and this is something that i get um from an actor's perspective uh sophia di martino um she does a good job as as sylvie I think uh, with the information she's given or with the, the work that she's given here. But when I was watching the first episode, they really had her in the credits kind of called out as a, a VIP almost in the way that they listed her. But she is barely in this episode. She, she was barely in that episode, but she's also barely in this season. And it's funny because I, you know, I was a huge fan of Sylvie in the first season and I found her to kind of I mean, she she ends up driving the plot forward, and and again, I think she does a fine job. But I just wasn't a huge fan of her this season. Um, she's not really given a ton to do. She's very selfish, and again, all of that is perfect character growth in a weird way for her from where she was at the end of season one. Because remember, she's been trapped in apocalypses and, and living in apocalypses for most of her life. So now she has this opportunity to live on the sacred timeline which is like good for you but then like literally everything that's happening in this season again remember we are we are minutes hours from the ending of the last season it's all because of her killing he who remains if she hadn't done that none of this would be happening but again when you talk about time um all of it seems to have meant to be happening the way that it is so with that in mind um we also catch up with renslayer and miss minutes and we find out that they have traveled to 1868, I believe, and uh, in Chicago, being tasked with dropping a TVA handbook into the hands of a very young Victor Timely, who is a variant of Kang. And uh, you see him at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania from uh, the end credit scene. And, the, you know, same exact scene is, is put in the show. But then they go again to 1893, which is the world, the stage of the World's Fair. And Victor Timely is there. Again, you know, time has now passed. Time for him to review this book. He's created these marvels, uh, te this temporal marvel. Basically, he's like a, one of those old-timey scientists, essentially which uh, I really liked. I thought that part was cool. But when it comes to the performances of Kang, this is my least favorite of all of the Kangs so far. Um, Jonathan Majors does a fine performance with him, and has, there's some moments and flashes of greatness here for sure. But uh, just the, the way he, like, it's not even like a stutter. It's um, kind of like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe the, the vocal intonations that he has but I, I did again kind of bothered me there's bits where it's like come on just can you please get to the point he's 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 very much a showman and uh i don't have time for that when the the breakneck pace of the show is going on it's like dude come on please let's just get things going because loki and mobius are like we need to get you back to the tva uh they find him at this fair and they're like we need to get you back to the tva um, so we can scan your aura, basically. But at the same time, Renslayer and Miss Minutes are there, and they're trying to use him based on a um, kind of blueprint that He Who Remains has provided them after death, right? He uh, he gave some notes, I guess, to Miss Minutes to say, you know, in the event of my death, 
give this book to you know the young version and then come back at this time x y and z uh so they're basically following that at the same time and eventually um we get to a point where sylvie shows up and she is trying to kill this other version of king she says you know oh i told you already um i'll kill every variant of king it's like oh my we get it we get it but again, everything, uh, and wow, I'm, I'm looking at, I have the episodes up on Disney plus on my computer as I record just to, you know, have the titles and whatnot, but I'm seeing here that it says, um, Loki finds him. It, this is, I guess, just the overall of Loki. It says after picking up the Tesseract in Avengers Endgame, Loki finds himself called before the time variance authority, a Kafka esque bureaucratic organization that exists outside of time and space. I just, uh, my, <laughs> my cousin and I love Kafka and uh always saying oh that's kafka-esque but it's it does feel like kafka-esque at the very beginning of this series for sure um tangent aside um kang or i guess victor timely chooses to go with well i guess he doesn't fully choose but he goes with ravona and miss minutes and they get taken to a um they basically get taken to his like workshop he says i gotta pick up some things which he does. He picks up a prototype as well. And uh, Miss Minutes, we start to see that she's not exactly who she says she is. And so we start to learn some things about Miss Minutes. And we find this out, that he who remains created Miss Minutes. She was originally an AI for uh, a chess game. And so apparently they would, they played chess for like millennia. And then he eventually, you know, created her into a fully sentient AI. Um, but still did not give her a body and she's very upset by that because she is madly in love with he who remains uh, which was a very interesting wrinkle she gets kind of evil in this in this show and uh, I, I loved that i thought that was fantastic we get some interesting growth here from ravona as well um she's still kind of trying to figure out what she wants and by the end of this um she uh is so they're like they have to go to his workshop like i said and they're they're crossing the the river and she mentions that him and uh, her and victor timely are going to make good partners and there's a mention in the episode that he does not like partners and so she he kicks her off the boat and like puts her in a lifeboat basically and kicks her off but she is so determined that she ends up still meeting them there at the same time that loki and mobius show up and sylvie shows up so they're all at this place and essentially what happens is um, Sylvie kicks Ravona and Miss Minutes into uh, at, to the end of time, basically to where he, he remains as corpses in that citadel outside of time, at the end of time. And at the end of this episode, Miss Minutes says, you know, I could tell you something about, you know, I can tell you a secret, but it's going to make you really angry. And that's when we get to the fourth episode, the heart of the TVA. And we find out that he who remains was partners with Ravona back in the day, back during that great reset, you know, going from the Kang statues to the timekeeper statues. And we find out that, you know, this is not a secret. They mentioned this in the last season, right? That everyone's memories have been wiped, right? The TVA is just in this weird space. And so we find out he basically resets the TVA he wipes Ravona's mind as well of anything of them being together, except that they were very much so together, just like in the comics. Um, but the interesting aspect, and we don't get an answer for this, but the interesting aspect I had was, is she a variant of Kang? 
Or are they going to just say that she's like a love interest of King? Because regardless, it seems like they're building her up towards that. Um, and both of those things would be fascinating. I, I would love that. But we go through here at this point. Um, they're trying to uh, fix the temporal loom, right? And so they've been able. So now they bring Victor Timely back. Uh, Loki and Mobius do. And he's kind of getting his lay of the land. He meets Ouroboros. He's like, oh my gosh, you know, you're my hero. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Ravona and Miss Minutes recruit Brad, the guy from the second episode, uh, who's in prison with all of the other people who bombed the sacred timeline. They were able to capture them, you know, that sort of thing. And Ravona actually kills everybody except for Brad. She basically says, anyone that wants to come with me can. Everyone else, you're going to die. And they all choose death because they um, they believe in the TVA more than they believe in Ravona, and this is a, a good spot to point out too. We've gotten some great character moments for Hunter B fifteen, who I haven't really mentioned. She's kind of a side character this season, but she still has some great moments to shine, including, you know, when all the TVA timelines are bombed, she's just losing her mind because they all know at this point they know that they're killing actual people when they do that, and so there was a really great moment of pathos there that was in the second episode, um, but now she was like trying to recruit all these people for help. And they've chosen, you know, before she could even get to them, again, Ravona kind of kills them. So Ravona is now kind of planning things. She's at the TVA too. And we've got this race against time because the loom is getting bigger and bigger and it's going to explode. And OB essentially says, like, we, we need this thing called a throughput multiplier that if it's, you know, it's shot into the loom and it essentially will make the loom bigger. So it's going to scale the loom to handle more timelines which is really cool. It makes total sense. It'd be like upgrading the RAM on your computer or upgrading the hard drive on your computer. And uh, we'll get to that later in the last episode about why it still ends up being an issue. But that's essentially what we get. And at the end of the episode, Victor Timely, he's got the thing. He says, I'll be the one to do it. He's got to walk out onto the, you know, to get to the loom. It's very dangerous. <clears throat> he walks out and immediately turns to spaghetti. Which is what happens when people kind of, you know, it, you see it, you see it a little bit in, um, actually you don't see it. People said you see it in Infinity War, but you don't. Um, c comparing it to uh, Mantis, who she uh, turns into ribbons, where this is c clearly a spaghetti type shape. But this is essentially where that you know people lose their their grip on reality, or they're just basically getting destroyed, and so you know reality is crumbling. They turn to spaghetti. Essentially, it was very very cool, very creepy. Um, but so he turns to spaghetti. Huge twist, huge shock. So Victor Timely is dead, and everyone's like, "Well, wait, hold on, what?" And they're all looking out the window at the loom increasingly getting more you know uh, dire. And Loki just says, I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do. And then the loom explodes. And that's how the episode ends with Loki, you know, staring into the abyss as everything goes white. That's episode four. There's two more episodes to go. And that's what they give us at this point. It's just brilliant how they did this. I mean, the sci-fi level at this point is just so insane. And so then in the fifth episode, it turns out it didn't actually destroy things yet. But everybody um, has been sent back to their own place in time. So everyone's gone except for Loki. He's, he's still here in this place. He's trying to run around. He's running around the TVA. TVA. Everyone's gone. He's time slipping a little bit as well again. And so we don't really know why he's continuing to time slip. Very interesting. But this episode is called Science Slash Fiction. Science Fiction. 
and suddenly he starts time slipping to these people's timelines so we start to learn who all of these people were before they were in the tva we find out hunter b15 when Misako was a um she was a nurse who or i think her name was verity i saw on something that she's actually uh, a character in the loki god of stories um comic series which was really cool to see um that they kind of made her that we get to see obviously owen wilson who uh is a salesman of jet skis which was perfect he has two sons which was absolutely tragic um seeing him so happy on the timeline from in the you know the show when he's in the tva he's uh not necessarily miserable but he doesn't want to know about his life outside of the tva and it's probably because of this you know maybe there was something inside him keeping him at that point and then we also see that ob was a science fiction writer and so at that point when loki's with ob he ends up uh you know he he ends up giving ob the tva handbook which i thought at the time i was like this is essentially loki creating the tva which is like what a twist that is when it comes to um you know where we were at the beginning of the first season that loki's the one creating the tva not exactly but you could argue maybe in a sense that he did um but just very interesting so he ends up finding out how to create a tempad so they can gather up all of these people and find a way to get back into the tva by again some science fiction stuff and the reason it's called science fiction is he's explaining to loki with science it's all about the how right it's all i believe is what it is it's about the how it's about the what but with fiction it's all about the why and so he's trying to explain you know how can i you know what is the deal with time slipping how can i maybe and and ob says this you can control your time slipping he's like how can i control he goes i don't know it's impossible he's like it's impossible he goes yeah but you said that you time slipped inside of the tva and that's supposed to be impossible too right so that means you can probably do this you can probably control it and again just going back to that whole idea of nothing being impossible because this is a fictional show uh was awesome and so again, this idea of why, I mean, it was it's so meta in terms of the writing and Eric Martin was the writer of this, um, this season and he does a phenomenal job. I hope we get to see more of him throughout the MCU because again, the, the, the web he weaves here is truly phenomenal. Uh, and, and saying that when you're writing fiction, right, if you're going to do something like this, anything, right, giving someone powers, having someone time slip. It's not about the, oh, how is this possible, right? It's why. Why are they time slipping? Why is he time slipping to these specific moments? And so as this episode goes on, he kind of figures it out. But he figures it out too late. And so at the very end of this, everyone gets spaghettied. And so he's like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And he kind of freaks out and then finally controls his time slipping and slips back to basically the very first episode and that's where we end up in the season five so it's like what is going on and so finally we get the final episode episode six titled glorious purpose which is the title of the very first episode of the first season so again that whole idea of a snake eating its tail uh and of this time loop the first episode and the last episode is the same. that's why i'm convinced i think there's only going to be these two seasons because it, it ends on a perfect note and you'll see here in a second why but um he now has mastered time slipping and he 
goes over and over and over to try and get the thing right. And it's he doesn't time slip to the first episode. He time slips to right before Victor Timely walks out onto that uh that gangway to get to uh the time loom, the the temporal loom. And so he essentially keeps time slipping over and over to try and speed the process up so that Victor has more time to walk down that. Because remember, he walks down it and immediately is turned to spaghetti. So now it's like, okay, I've enhanced it maybe five minutes. He can get down there just a little bit longer, but it's still not working. And so he, he goes to OB and one of them, he says, OB, how long do you think it would take for you to tell me everything that you know for like about this, about how, you know, the, the time temporal loom, all of this stuff. And he's like, you know, I don't know. He's like, well, you know, st- hey, how, how much do you need to know? He's like, start, start at the very beginning, all of it. He goes, but remember, I'm a very fast learner and I'm also a god. And he's he's explaining it all to him. And so then he comes back and he said, well, but he says, how long? He goes, I don't know, centuries. And so then the screen goes black and it says centuries later. So Loki is spending hundreds of years on this task, time looping back over and over again, just straight out of a Rick and Morty episode. Uh, this is the type of sci-fi stuff that I love. I know there's a lot of fans out there of this and a lot of people saying that this is like some of the best Marvel TV ever. And I completely agree. I mean, this is just, it's fascinating. And so he's continuing to do this and eventually they get it. He gets it right <clears throat> to the point where he goes back even further in time. And uh, so Timely gets out to the end, shoots it into the loom. It expands the loom. They've done it. But it still doesn't work. The loom continues to expand, continue to create. And we hear uh, the idea and Victor's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't. He was like, I didn't realize this. But if you free up the timeline, of, you know, Sylvie killing he who remains allows for an infinite amount of possibilities right an infinite amount of timelines and so how do you scale to infinity and so again thinking back to this computer example right if you if you've got say you know for some reason you know whatever it is you're downloading music and you download your your computer you know you're set to download it whatever it is you're downloading files and you know they're just continuously downloading and your hard drive starts to fill up, right? You're getting to the max capacity of your hard drive. You go, okay, all right, well, then I'll double my hard drive. I'll get a, a hard drive twice as big. But the files are still continuing to download, and it's not going to stop. And so you're going to reach your peak capacity of that twice as big one, you know, same amount of time, right? And, oh, I'll get an even bigger one. You're still going to get that. There are an infinite amount of possibilities, so nothing is going to be able to scale that. And Loki, you know, he's like, and I, you feel this in here. He is destroyed. He has wasted hundreds of years learning about all this, trying to figure it all out, trying to figure out the TVA, which is important though, right? When you think about what's going to be happening next, (laughs) um, in terms of, uh, job experience is what I'll say, right? At this point, (laughs) he's got a couple hundred years of experience working in the TVA, working with the temporal loom. And so now what does he do? Now he time slips back to the end of season one, that finale. He is in the Citadel with uh, Sylvie, trying to stop her from killing He Who Remains. He realizes at this point that it's just, it has to be He Who Remains. He's got to be the one to monitor the timeline because it just doesn't work. Nothing works. 
And so he's continually trying to fight her. She keeps saying the same line, if you want to stop me, you're going to have to kill me. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Ruth said it better in Ozark. And uh, <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for something like that. Of, if you want to stop me, you're going to have to kill me. Uh, but she does not say that. She uh, just keeps saying it. And he eventually turns to, you know, in each of these instances, we're getting to see her kill um, he remains over and over and he turns and says aren't you gonna fight her at all like you're gonna keep letting this happen and he stops her he immediately freezes her in time and uh says i was wondering when you were gonna catch on essentially that he knew all of this was going to happen and so we get another great performance by he who remains in this finale again mirroring the performance in the first one uh explaining to him that this is how it was always supposed to be that you know he was supposed he's like so the temporal loom's still failing huh and he explains to him and explains to all of us that the temporal loom is a fail safe and what that means is it is never meant to be in the state that it is of creating multiple timelines it is only meant to scale for the sacred timeline so it will always fail for the same reason, right? That it, it goes to infinity. So it's always going to fail. And when it fails, right, it's going to reset to just the sacred timeline. So it will all roads lead back to he who remains. And Loki's sitting there going, I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. He says, so you, you can time, you can control your time slipping, but have you been able to stop time? Like with, you know, him being, you know, stopping Sylvie. And he's kind of got this confused look on his face and uh you know he who remains starts trying to uh kind of say so teach him some things and then loki says yes i did and he's like why do you think that we've had this conversation before and it's like ah so loki's already kind of learned all of this and was pulling one over on he who remains and he essentially decides he says um he's basically like i know what i need to do now which was I kind of got me sort of excited because I was like, based on her performance this season, this makes a lot of sense that he's going to go kill Sylvie. I was like, she's barely been in this. She's had like five lines overall. Uh, just again, I was not as big a fan of her this season as I was last season. And um, so he goes back, but he goes back to meet with Sylvie uh, at the end of that fourth episode when they're all getting turned into spaghetti. And he walks this through with her. And says, like, I want you to talk with me about this. Like, what should I do? And she's like, so you're basically trying to tell me that I need to convince you not to kill me, basically. He's like, I just don't know, like, what other option there is. But as, you know, he's starting to talk and they're starting to talk, you start seeing, like, there was always another option. He who remains mentioned another option. Uh, he just didn't, you know, think about it. And this was an option we have talked about quite a bit you know in him becoming the god of stories that why why instead of he who remains why not loki i mean he even mentions in this episode he said he doesn't want a throne and i think that's the best point of putting someone on a throne is when they've rejected the throne like thor and uh so he goes back to that moment of everyone right before victor timely goes out that door and he stops victor and says i'm good well they're all talking upstairs and he just walks down there walks outside without a suit on because he's a god so he's got all this extra power and he starts uh well the, the loom explodes 
he explodes the loom. He like, you know, tries to get it bigger and explodes it. And all of these timelines are spinning all around everywhere. And while he's doing this, he gets a brand new suit that's amazing. Uh, the, his horns just start growing so big. It's so comics accurate. It's amazing. And uh, he starts grabbing the timelines and injecting them with his green energy, which is interesting, right? Same as the time stone being green. The There's a lot of green that uh, <clears throat> we're starting to get maybe this time loop idea. And uh, he grabs all of the, he's like, he's grabbing basically as many of these timelines as he can. And as he's doing this, the, the like time, space, whatever cracks open to reveal the Citadel at the end of time. It's completely crumbled. All that's left there is a throne. And he kind of, you know, his glorious purpose, he grabs all of these timelines and goes and sits down. And all of the time, like the way it looks, it's just all these mangled timelines kind of thing. And then the screen rotates and it looks exactly like Yggdrasil, the world tree uh, from Asgardian lore. And so you essentially have Loki holding together all of time and for for all time always. And he even says that I think right as he's leaving, he says, I'm going to do I'm doing this for you, for all of us. And uh, Sylvie says something like he's buying us time because, right, you know, it's still going to be that point where it's not perfect. This is not the uh, like he's got to maintain this. But at the same time, the Kangs are going to come at some point. Right. But he has finally achieved his glorious purpose of being the God at the end of time, the God of stories. Uh, and it's just to think, you know, I'm, I'm getting chills just talking about it, but I'm just thinking if Odin could see him now. If Thor could see him now, and the fact that this is a different Loki than the one we have in the MCU because he pulled from, you know, just, I know, and we'll talk about that in a minute about what's going to happen next in a sec. I just, I know he's going to see Thor again, and it's just going to be such a powerful reunion of, he has finally, uh, he has uh, kind of absorbed all of the learning that he has had it just it's so hard i'm trying to think of how to word this but it's like he he has grown he he has he's a hero now he's a god he's a king and he is everything that he wanted to be and i saw an article that came out literally the next day uh about loki is the best villain in the mcu you know based on season two and I'm just like, man, these <laughs> these clickbait people, they can't resist, man. They just they have to have these extremes every single day. Uh, you know, the minute something comes out, this is the best thing ever. This is the worst thing ever, whatever. Um, but I kind of agree now. I mean, and, and I agree only in the sense that he's the villain that has had the most character development out of every villain in the MCU. So, of course, he's going to have the best story. But to have this be his end story is just so beautiful and glorious. And so we see... The TVA is now in good hands. Uh, Hunter B-15, along with many others, are now running it, so it's not a tiny little cabal of people. Um, Mobius chooses to go back to his timeline, and he just goes and watches. Sylvie, same thing. She gets to kind of go do her own thing. But it looks as though the uh, you know there's a new volume of the TVA handbook that comes out, which was really cool. And we see at the very end of it that <clears throat> Ravona, uh, and I, I believe I mentioned this, but Ravona ends up getting pruned in the uh, fourth episode as well. She's pruned by uh, Sylvie, kind of mind controls Brad and prunes her. And so it's like, oh, cool, she's off the table. But at the same time, she's now in the void. And so we see her kind of figure out what's going on. And then there's a giant purple light that looks a lot like Elioth 
We don't ever see what it is, though, so it's very possible that could be a variant of Kang coming to get her. But then the final piece is, you know, in the TVA, it, it, they have a task force now monitoring all of the Kangs, monitoring for any Kang activity. Uh, and and uh, Mobius even mentions that there was a Kang that popped up in a 616 adjacent universe which is the quantum realm, uh, you know, immediately calling out quantum mania. So that was really cool to see. So clearly that means this takes place right after, you know, quantum mania happens. Again, this is a very trippy show in that it takes place so soon after Endgame, but at the same time, it's also happening, you know, all over. So, um, man, so that was really cool. But that's the show. So, and it ends with Loki smiling, uh, you know, at the end of time, which is just the coolest thing ever. So when we think about that, and I think about, again, you know, where, how is this show? It's, this show is incredible. From a sci-fi, sci-fi perspective, it's easily one of the best sci-fi shows I've ever seen. It's my, it's the best Marvel show. Uh, now, when you look at it from the two, two season perspective, I had, I had it up there as like my number one, number two, it was flittering around with, uh, Miss Marvel and, uh, WandaVision. But after the second season, you know, the fact that they nailed the landing twice now and did it in such a way to create this time loop within the television series is just so bonkers. It's like playing, it's galaxy brain at that point. Um, but where do I think this all goes? That's the question that everyone has. Well, I think this is this is essentially setting up our Avengers movies. And so if things all, you know, maintain, right, um, we're in a really good spot with Kang currently that, that you know, he's out there, but we're monitoring it. Um, but something's going to go wrong. And it seems like that's going to be from Ravona's end. So that's probably where Kang Dynasty is going to pick up is something there. Um, but then when you think about it from a Secret Wars perspective, Loki's literally holding all of these timelines, and I talked about this on a couple prior uh, prior episodes around this. So if I, if my prediction is still right, which is that Loki, who brought the Avengers together in the comics, he brings the Avengers together in the MCU, and he's going to now bring the Avengers together to defeat Kang um, th- from different timelines. You're going to essentially get that Secret Wars, Avengers Forever type story where different Avengers are being pulled from different timelines. That's my guess, is that we're going to start to see this. Because again, he can't do that forever, I don't think. Um, especially if Kang's on the loose. He's going to he's gonna get some, you know, feeling through the literal vines that, um, you know, oh, Kang's coming. Um, so he's going to be the one. And I think, how cool would that be to see him in all of his glory as a hero showing up and especially if too we're probably not going to see loki again until then and those movies aren't coming out for four years at least so it's going to be very powerful when that comes out it's going to be insane and i'm here for it i mean like i said this is just this is peak television and i know there's so many other great shows out right now there's so many great movies out but what a time to be alive that this season finale came out the exact same day as the marvels if you were lucky enough to see them both on the same day marvel's back in a big way and they're ending 2023 on a huge high note um again this is this is stakes that were as big as endgame in my opinion and you know, since Endgame, we have not seen something like this. We've seen promises of it in some of the movies, but to actually have this payoff the way that it is for two seasons, right? You know, how hard has it been to even get a movie out from Marvel these days for two seasons of Loki is just beyond impressive. So that's my thoughts on the show. Again, 
I just thought it was completely incredible. Obviously, like I said, I got a couple nitpicks about it, but overall, I love it. It's still sitting there uh, towards the top of my MCU picks, and uh, it's going to be there for a long time. I can't wait to rewatch this. And with that, we will wrap things up. So for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you at the movies. Thank you.